You're listening to the Friends Talking Nerdy Podcast Network. Friends Talking Nerdy. If your friends are nerdy and you are nerdy too, I want to talk to you. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Friends Stalking Nerdy, the flagship show on the Friends Stalking Nerdy Podcast Network. This is Tim Jowsma, and joining me all the way in Portland, Maine, chewing on some delicious almonds, it is the holiest of holies, it is the Reverend Tracy. How you doing? Oh, um, pretty good. We got some hellacious wind and rain this week, so it actually washed away a lot of the snow and the ice and stuff like that, um, but... Uh, pretty good for the most part. Can't complain too much. It snowed today. So Mm. that was kind of beautiful and nice. Um, how is everything in the world of Tim? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. I yesterday actually made some friends with some neighborhood crows. (laughs) How did you do it? How did I do it? Um, our, the, the Aubrey's condo, uh, the professor's new condo here in uh, the Alberta neighborhood, um, it, it's, it's on the second floor and it has uh, a balcony uh, that you can walk out onto that's open air. Um, that's that looks like right out on the street. So yesterday when I was doing some schoolwork, I you know turned and looked out the window and I saw uh, a crow that was sitting on the power line in front of the house. So I you know thought, why not? I ran in the kitchen, grab a grab a piece of bread. And then I went to the the door to the deck, open it up really quietly because birds being birds, they're gonna be startled. Um, and then you know, poke my head out there and I you know did you know I got the bird's attention. I was called it like a dog. I was like, come here, hey boy, hey boy, like that. And then I ripped the bread. I ripped the bread and I showed it to the, I, you know, showed it to the bird. And it was funny because the crow, you know, did the thing that I, that I've seen birds do when they, when you know they're paying attention to you, when they turn their head, they're really looking at you, mm-hmm. um, you know, where their eyes are at. So he saw me uh, rip the bread up. I ripped up a couple pieces and tossed it on the deck. And then I closed the door and it was funny. He um, started walking really slowly on the power line to, until he was right directly in front of the house. Then he started puffing up and calling for about a minute. And then he made a dive bomb for the um, for the deck, grabbed like three pieces of bread and then flew off. And then about 10 minutes later, another crow came and, um, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. So made friends with two crows. Uh, There were three pieces of bread yesterday that, that were left on the ground. And I did check this morning. They were gone. (laughs) <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, crows are really smart. I have been interested in trying to make crow friends. Like actually getting them to be your friend, like legit, uh-huh. is hard. Um, you're on a good start, though, because them taking food from you is good. Uh, crows are very intelligent. They're normally kind of hesitant with people, depending on their experience of people, right? Uh-huh. But most crows in most situations seem to be hesitant. I, I totally legitimately looked this up one day because I decided I was hearing these stories about like crows leaving gifts and stuff. And I was like, well, that's such a cool relationship to have with the nature near you and me being kind of a little bit of a hippie in that sense. Uh-huh. Like it made me curious, like how does one become friends with a crow? But food is a good way to do it. Like, don't expect them to take it from your hand, though, I guess. Like, well, I mean, I wouldn't encourage it either because of wild animals. But, you know, there are people who get an idea 
of what is possible with these, you know, outdoor animals. And there's just some things that aren't smart. Like that being said, my mother, I watched her give a wild squirrel like nuts out of her hand, like peanuts and stuff. But that's because she had kind of developed relationships with these squirrels in that area, like over a few generations. I know that sounds silly, but it is learned behavior, like how animals react to us. So crows are just really fascinating to me. I, I hope you keep leaving them food. That's normally a good thing when they take Take food and maybe you'll start being left presents, um, usually shiny things, uh, buttons, sometimes small toys, but usually something shiny. So if you look on your patio and start noticing things that are shiny, that is when you have actually made like a crow friend, like they like you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not there yet, but uh, it was definitely fun. And and more than anything, I think uh, they were. I, I think the first one was just like a human up here. What's going on? You know, <laughs> maybe a few people, uh, you know, on ground level, will throw them some seeds or something like that. But I think it was just the, the crow was just more curious about what was going on, and it got a nice treat out of it. So, yeah, positive reinforcement and whatnot, right? Yeah, it kind of helps out with people. But uh, speaking of pets, someone in Italy had some uh, comments that got quite the stir among the world. Right. Like, and it was kind of crazy because, you know, I I follow like a lot of different respected religious leaders. You know, I do try to find um, a variety of voices to listen to and to take to heart in sermons. And so like, it was kind of crazy to me that, you know, have you ever heard like, hey, did you hear that so-and-so said this? But you felt like you kind of knew enough about the person to be like, wait, what? Mm. Um, And that's more or less what happened to me in a way with like the news lately. Because I do, I skim Google for things every now and then, you know, that's how I found out, you know, I posted on uh, the, the the group that Louis Armstrong like has cancer. So it kind of, you know, keeps me somewhat on um, the, my finger on the pulse of things, you know, like some of the, the pop culture things. So I can also share stuff and share interesting news that's going on in the world. Because those are kind of the things I nerd out about. So I kept scrolling by for a few days. And I kept seeing Pope Francis says pet ownership is selfish. Pope Francis says you're selfish if you're a pet owner and all of this stuff. And I was like, what the fuck did Pope Frankie say? Like, I know that's not really his name and that's honestly probably disrespectful, but it's like, what did the Pope say? Like, I've, I've kind of liked this person, right? Um, for those that aren't super aware of a little bit of his background, he's actually done a lot for the queer community as far as, you know, don't kick them out of the church type mentality. Don't don't send your children away from you, right? He's even, you know, Pope Francis has had some supportive legal protections for same-sex marriages. That's leaps and bounds compared to popes of the past, right? Like, I can't say that I'm 100% on board with everything about the Catholic Church, but as far as some of the stuff that's come from Pope Francis, it's been kind of hopeful, right? Because, If the Catholic Church starts to embrace a concept, more and more of the Christian churches tend to. And I'm just kind of all for, you know, the queer community not being kicked out of their homes and stuff, right? Um, He had said something to the tune that 
LGBTQ community, you know, should never be kicked out of families and that Jesus would never have a go away from me, like attitude. So, you know, that being kind of what I was familiar with, it just kind of shocked me when I was seeing these headlines pop up, right? Yeah. So that was when I finally was able to find, you know, the Snopes article where they had apparently gone in and found a transcript of this because I was curious what he actually had to say. And I try to steer away from articles that can't produce enough of the dialogue around a quote, right? Because to me, that just kind of stinks like cherry picking stuff, which I kind of feel like is exactly what happened. But I wanted to actually ask you what you kind of felt about some things um, because we had talked about it before and you had said you would read it before we came on. So before I bias any opinion, I wanted to let you go first. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely read the Snopes article and, you know, for folks that aren't aware, um, I mean, you should be Snopes is a well-respected website that does, uh, you know, fact-checking, um, you know, if, if there is something like this, that, you know, permeates society, they're the ones that will do a deep dive to make sure it's actually true or not. Um, so, you know, I, I'm glad this was available and I hope that the Vatican actually reads the article and takes note because because, you know, they made the notation that their website was like designed in the 90s with all the money the Catholic Church has. You would think they'd be able to, you know, get like a WordPress site. <laughs> right. Like, come on. Even the Dalai Lama, like, has like a fucking YouTube channel and all this stuff. And that's because, like, that's what they do with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, they put some of the money back in it. So I also thought that comment was kind of like cute. And kind of funny at the same time, because, you know, you go back to the Catholic Church, you think about it's kind of that that super like the conservatism of not changing. Right. If you don't have to. So to them, it's like, oh, we got a website up. It still works. Nobody's moved on to anything else. Boom. But yes, I did think it was great that they were able to find this because, oh, my gosh, I think more people should make it easier to just go and pull transcripts. Like if you're in public speaking, there's enough technology or if you've got people hear us out catholic church like at least put up like what he said so if uh he's gonna be under the scrutiny of our social media and our news media because they played a huge part in this right it was bbc cnn fox like they were all doing headlines like this Uh um so yes like if he's gonna be under some scrutiny i think the best thing he could do is make sure like his actual dialogue is up somewhere. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt anything with that. Just other than uh, ditto, like update yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, exactly. I mean, it's it's yeah. Not updating your website is is essentially giving your critics an extra tool um, to be able to ridicule you. Now, now I'm not a fan of the Catholic Church by no means. Um, I you know my aunt is Catholic, so it's not like I'm vehemently anti-Catholic or anything like that, but, you know, they have their own mess of problems. They just do. And also what religious organization doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, um, for, you know, as far as what this current Pope has done, he has done a lot, I think, to kind of show Catholics around the world a different way of looking at things in terms of, you know, LGBTQ uh, outreach and whatnot. Um, You know, reading the comments, I would agree that the news media made this a far bigger deal than it should have been because he wasn't saying 
if you know you he, what basically the, the social media people were interpreting it as you know the person who may have a wife or live with their girlfriend or something like that that has ma- mounds and mounds of student debt is not financially able to get uh to have to take care of a child but still has a pet the pope did not say that those people were selfish you know it's that did not happen there was a lot more going on in his comments now do i agree with everything he said no i do not but it's not a you know a person who owns a cat is bad right and it's funny because i totally do want to talk about it because i could i can see how some things could be a little bit like possibly cultural difference you go back into you need to bear in mind this man's primary language is not english right so whether this was said in english by him or whether this was a translation there is still error anytime you get a translation there's error so being somebody that's kind of followed you know the pope and people like him and have kind of gotten familiar with how they sort of phrase things sometimes and then understanding the context of what that actually means because that's the other sad part is reading simply what somebody said is still not taking into context knowing that person at all Uh right and i don't listen to everything pope francis posts and i don't even listen to everything um the dalai lama puts out there even though he puts out a lot because he's got like weekly teachings and that's what this was coming from with the pope this was a sermon Uh this was actually primarily about saint joseph and orphanhood and really kind of a plea for people to consider adoption if they have the means to do so uh, so going into that he did talk about you know some you know fatherhood and motherhood terms and really the part about pets was such a small portion of the entire thing that he was talking about and i they love that even in the snopes article they made it easy to find the small chunk out of the whole piece and mm. i'm not even 100 sure if this was the entire thing it may have been because he does you know segments of things they're not all hour-long sermons right, right. so it gets right in the middle and i'm just gonna read it just so you guys know what he said i'm not trying to inflect anything on this but this is what he had to say about pets we should not be afraid to choose a path of adoption again he's talking about kids here to take the quote risk of welcoming children and today with orphanhood there is a certain selfishness the other day i spoke about the demographic winter there is nowadays in which we see that people do not want to have children or just one and no more And many, many couples do not have children because they do not want to, or they have just one, but they have two dogs, two cats. Yes, dogs and cats take the place of children. Yes, it's funny. I understand. But it is the reality. And this denial of fatherhood or motherhood diminishes us, takes away our humanity. So... That's the part about pets. And there was a lot more before and some stuff after and some interesting interpretation to that. Uh But I don't believe he was actually necessarily saying stuff about like biological mother and fatherhood. Again, the overall sermon was about orphans and adoption, right? Like he was more, you know, praising St. Joseph because he raised Jesus as his own, even though he wasn't biologically his. Um, So going into that whole piece, it's more likely this is spurred from the kind of issue that we have where we've got a lot of kids who are being raised in the system. 
I don't know if you know the number, Tim, do you know about how many orphans just in America alone age out of the system? Uh, far too many. I don't know an exact number. Yeah. I mean, you're right. 20,000 is far too many. Mm-hmm. And when you consider a lot of that demographic then makes up houselessness, homelessness, um, even substance abuse issues, potentially by not having that fatherhood and motherhood being raised. And so whenever he was saying like, taking away from our humanity, he wasn't necessarily trying to say, you're not being human if you are not doing this. I think he's probably more talking about this bigger issue because he does try to cover bigger issues. And that, you know, maybe there is a selfishness to like the Paris Hilton person who wants their purse dog and the vest so they can take them in. They want to take their pet into the grocery store, even though it barks at small children, you know, that's what he was saying, that he notices a certain selfishness. And that's why he was making a joke and laughing. Yes, dogs and cats take the place of children. So sure, I guess you could interpret it as saying that it's a selfishness, but I also kind of get the point that he's making. Um, I'm not saying I a thousand percent believe in it, but if you do have like the mentality of wanting to treat something like a baby, why not let that be a baby? And I'm, I mean, I'm not saying run out and adopt right now by any means. It's just the question of it. If you do have the means and if you do have that urge for that, there might be something that's more beneficial to our society to put that energy towards than getting permission to get a vest so you can take your puppy in with you to the store. And I'm not saying that, I mean, I am a person that has an ESA personally, I do have one for my anxiety and stuff. I do believe in them, by the way. I see a lot of them and they're great and they're like behaving dogs and they've very obviously been trained to be an ESA. So this is my opportunity to say, oh, if you want an ESA, you're a crap person. That is not what I'm saying. But we have all seen that dog, right? That's got the therapy vest that has obviously not been trained for this. And I'm like, if that dog is supposed to be keeping you calm, I don't want to see like what it takes to like get you unglued because your dog is disturbing my my peace with trying to like get a box of macaroni right now. (laughs) I Yeah, I mean, his comments were tricky because you know in in the overall sense yeah he's right there are far too many kids that you know are up for adoption that you know whether we're talking infants on up to a 17 year old okay there are people that that could you know benefit from a loving home however let's take the adoption process in this country. How many are controlled by religious organizations and how many turn away LGBTQ people? How many turn away people of color? How many turn away single people? Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I'm with you there. Like I was not saying that he by any means like has helped make it easier, but he, you know what I mean? It almost ties into some of the stuff I was saying before. Like he has supported allowing legally for same-sex couples to get married. Uh-huh. So this human, whether you like what they say or not, does have a lot of good influence when it comes to supporting legalization of things because of the, the religious tie-in and stuff like that, right? So hear me out here. If him supporting the legality of same-sex couples marrying, could this not actually be a 
good thing that he's talking about this in this sense, because I could see this tying into, well, then why, yes, we should make it easier for people to adopt these children because they should be raised by loving homes. You would think that would be the goal. And if that turns, if this turns out to be the starting step in that process, then, hey, I'm all for that. You know, Um, I guess that's where I wish the headlines could have gone. Right. Like given some of his history and like what he's been trying to open up to. And we all know, like, not only is it like hard sometimes, like you can get denied for dumb reasons like that. Mm -hmm. It's also expensive when maybe it shouldn't be. So. Why don't we use this as an opportunity to talk about like, yeah, we do have like way too many kids. And if there's people out there and if you're adopting pets because you can't afford or have been stopped from adopting children. Mm-hmm. Oh, by all means, like I don't think the Pope is talking about you at all. Um, I also, by the way, don't think the Pope is talking about the person that like adopts animals, has that heart, but goes out and actively like works with children or like does like these things to influence and to add to humanity. Right. Like talking about wasteful people, you know, like a like the example you mentioned of Paris Hilton, you know, just someone who is so focused on their inner self that, you know, they don't want to care about anybody else. Yeah. And I don't even know if she still does that. I just remember that being like a thing with her, with her dog for a while. <laughs> and it was always in her purse. Right. But yeah. And I. I don't know. I, I could see kind of the point to that, but because I also have had kind of an issue with the the commercials that I see of, you know, you should be able to take your pet anywhere. And I'm like, mm, not a pet, <laughs> not a pet. It so invalidates people who like need that essential battle buddy to help them be able to go to the grocery store. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. I, I also kind of maybe if my interpretation of what the Pope was saying is true and that he is talking about that level of pet owner, mm-hmm. I might also be inclined to say that there is a selfishness to that mentality. Um, because that, to me, it just goes into, it might ruin it for people who actually do need that battle buddy that cannot afford a trained certified therapy dog. And I don't want people to lose the ability to affordably be able to get an ESA in their life because it's being marketed towards people who want to be able to take their pet everywhere with them. Like the whole pet thing is so prevalent that they are marketing emotional support animals to people's pets. So I don't know, maybe it's just like an interesting cross sect of things between there's still like a a foster care issue in a lot of areas. And then there's this weird, like, the the petness stuff um, that, you know, I just happened to notice because the ESA thing, right? Because, of course, I'm having them advertise towards me. I have an ESA. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and myself, I mean, I worked in retail and there were plenty of times, uh, you know, people would bring their pets in. And as far as I was concerned, you know, as long as like the dog wasn't like chewing up pro- product or peeing everywhere, or if the dog peed in the or crapped and the owner just walked out and did nothing, got a problem with that right. but bring the animal in if the animal's not bothering anybody it's it was always cool to be able to pet a dog i'm not going to say no to that but uh, you know it's uh, this is another thing that kind of bothered me too with with what he talked about and i think it's uh in regard to gender roles as well you know and what about the people like a like a woman that wants to be successful in in in, in her career and whatnot and who doesn't have the desire to have a kid you know it, it's like 
I, I think he's kind of throwing shade and kind of doing the whole thing of well, if you're a woman and you have the ability to have a child, then you must, you know, go through with that urge because that's what Jesus wants. No, no. <laughs> you know? Well, I'm not sure that. Uh, and again, this is going to go into where I read it for probably like not even hyperbolic at this point, the 20th time, because I feel like when people respond to this, uh -huh. I didn't get that message out of it. And granted, you do miss stuff sometimes like you do. I didn't get that. He was saying if you should have like if you have no, the ability it, to have a baby that you should. He was just he making a statement that there are people out there who have the ability but don't have kids. But, but then pour like the same amount of resource that you could a child like, that you could towards a child in a in a situation of like foster care. And that being said, I also want to throw this other concept just about selfishness in general. Uh -huh. OK, just to, to maybe take some of the sting out of this, the, the concept of having some selfishness, because he never said hellbound. He never said God won't take you it, never any of that like so, a lot of this was just a, mostly a sermon about consider adoption right um so selfishness right there is everybody's got like a level of selfishness mm -hmm. okay right now some might say that me having a lot of food in my pantries while being very aware that there are sh like shelters and places out there that could use it is selfish but I'm not necessarily a bad person for not turning over all of my food to a shelter. Correct. Like, yeah. so I guess to me, it's, he's not saying you're a horrible, selfish person. <laughs> it was really more of a, Hey, like if you're throwing out food at the end of the day, because you have this excess of money and it doesn't matter to you, maybe you could consider like taking some of your food just just over to the shelter not like your expired stuff but you know like say like you know like you're gonna buy stuff but you know you're only gonna use like one of the two bags of potato chips you're buying from costco like maybe you could drop one off like i almost think the analogy could have been towards anything else but because people get such a way about their pets <laughs> <laughs> that like it just got it totally just hit so many people wrong enough but um i i do think a lot of it is just that guilt right uh, uh, the guilt of the news people of taking that one little piece of a bigger message and plastering it and because that was the first impression somebody had when they even did read further into it that was already judge jury and, and sentenced at that point you know what i mean yeah so i i just don't get a lot of the you need to make babies or shame on you whenever i had read this but i don't know i'm open to reading it again and i probably will as soon as we finish recording <laughs> this to figure out okay well maybe i could see this part but <laughs> yeah and, and and to be clear i'm not saying he specifically said you know people that have the ability to have kids or adopt that don't are bad it's just I, it's how I interpreted what he said in terms of gender roles, you know, that if you are a male, you must, you know, have, and, and you have the ability to do so, you must be a, and again, my interpretation of it, not saying that, but, you know, that, that did kind of bother me, that, that interpretation, you know, because again, I, I because I, I I get your analogy that you're talking about with food, but it doesn't quite fit with uh you know when we're talking about people or animals. I think you know he yeah. did use the better analogy with animals, but you know even with an animal, at the end of the day, if you get tired of it, you can bring it to the shelter. You know you can't really do that with a kid. Well, I mean, in a way, you 
probably well, good. I mean, yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they do have the, the, I, I don't know if it's uh nationwide, but like some States allow, like, you know, if you left your baby at like a fire station, you know, no harm, yeah. no foul, it'll be up for adoption. And well, I mean, you literally cannot make someone raise a child though. Like, right. Like there's a level where either the state would take them. And again, these are a lot of the kids that are ending up, you know, in these situations, right. That mm-hmm. are in, uh, the homes that end up like aging out of them, you know, 20, 20,000 a year. Um, and I'm wondering, is it the, the last part of it where, uh, but denial, a man or a woman who do not develop a sense of fatherhood or motherhood. Is that the part that you're talking about maybe? So, I mean, just to read it since I started to, um, there's, there's this part at the end that I, I, get it, but then I want to offer an explanation and then we can totally move on from this. So I'm not pontificating too much, <laughs> but, uh, getting pun. <laughs> and also if you cannot have children, think about adoption. It is a risk. Yes. Having a child is always a risk either naturally or by adoption, but it is riskier not to have them. It is riskier to deny fatherhood or to deny motherhood, be it real or spiritual, but denial, a man or woman who do not develop the sense of fatherhood or motherhood, they are lacking something, something fundamental, something important. Think about this, please. Is that the part, maybe? I think that was it, yeah. Okay. So I actually talked about this because a few people actually texted me. I got a few private messages about it. So I had more interesting conversations offline than on you know the actual page where I posted it, um, on, on my Facebook anyway. Mm-hmm. And um. Well, what I wanted to point out there is it says, be it real or spiritual. And now I'm somebody, I've worked with kids before, and I know how much not only is it good for them to have an adult to work with them, it was really good for me as a human. Like I learned so much just by teaching kids and working with them. Uh And so I think that's more the overall thing, or maybe it's just my wishful interpretation of it. But because he said, be it real or spiritual, it goes back to there was some message about, you know, having humanity and sometimes working with people, especially kids can really like get you in touch with that humane level of, of life and, and having that compassion and caringness versus, you know, maybe not necessarily getting that same level of humanity by, I mean, and, and being close with a pet is awesome. Don't get me wrong. And my ESA, I love like my relationship with my cat. We cuddle. It's great. She, she's pretty great ESA. She does good for me. And, you know, I've loved on a lot of pets in my life, but I can kind of understand where there is something fundamentally different about working with people. And how you can like grow as a human by working with people, especially in that type of relationship where you are caring for them and you're guiding them through something. So, I mean, not everybody gets that from being a parent, right? I mean, there are parents who have babies and just that urge never seems to set in that they're guiding them through life, that that love and tenderness doesn't exist sometimes. But I guess I can kind of see the message of how it can add to you as a human to work and and be that positive influence in the next generation. And I can, I could definitely see where, you know, you could 
sit and read that in uh in in the article as well um you know it, it's just again given the the catholic church's history when it comes to gender roles oh, it's yes. something you do have to, you do have to consider now one thing that you know you did bring up about the new pope is that you know he does have these new ideas and you know is instituting some change here the thing that upsets a lot of people is that sometimes change takes a long time to to do its thing and sometimes it does take just that one person at the at the right time so um you, you know overall pope francis i've i've seen some really good things from him you know same same and that's where it's like you know give it a chance it goes back to i also i've listened to him you know mm -hmm. a little bit more than some other people would but not as many as others so i'm not going to claim that i completely strictly staunchly follow this human and what he says but you know it's it's part of my i do like to have a, a variety of positive people in some of their messages like mm -hmm. especially like growth because he's a good challenging person at times where he actually does challenge that growth right um in some of his speeches and that's what i like to listen to in him so i don't know to me it just seems like he's kind of being judged by maybe this other side of it that doesn't want to look into that further question of well why don't we let same-sex couples adopt then and that's the thing in social media. I've I've encountered this before, where you know if you say something nice about the Pope, nine times out of ten, you're probably going to get a complete stranger coming at you, being like, "Well, what about you know the Church's history against uh, you know with with child abuse and whatnot?" And it's like, there social media is just a scourge. Like for all the good it does, it does a lot of good, you know. The fact that it elevates unneeded voices, you know, just over and over, just, just, I, I, if they went away tomorrow, I would be so happy. But, but I, I think more than anything, the problem here is social media. Just a lot, you know, because again, with something like Twitter, you only got two hundred and forty characters, so there is no nuance on Twitter. You can't talk about a topic like this in two hundred and forty characters and get everything that the Pope wanted to talk about. True. But see, that wasn't my issue, though. Remember, mine was seeing the Google scroll and this was the chosen headlines that the news were going with. Uh -huh. the well, people, the yeah. Right. And because they it goes back to kind of my rant about the major news media at this point, the mainstream media or whatever the hell that we're calling it these days <laughs> is they've pretty much picked up a marketing mentality. They don't care. Like, okay, the person who makes a product at the end of the day does not give a shit if you use it. They care if you buy it and they care if you share that you bought it. So maybe other people buy it. Uh -huh. And kind of they're doing the same thing with news articles. They don't care if you read the article. They care that you saw the headline that you wanted. You purchased it by giving it your attention and then you shared it to people. So I'm not even sure some of these people that are sharing these news articles are going as far as to even reading any of the content in there. Nope. But so the news picked this one thing. Those headlines could have said anything. You know, Pope points out urge to adopt, which would have been way more accurate. So what was hilarious was really the reason I shared the Snopes article was to point out like, hey, you guys asked me like why I don't listen to any of them anymore. And this is why. This is why I've gone to more of like, I like the five minute news updates because that is exactly enough time to tell me what happened, where it happened and when it happened and not try to get your opinion in my head. Right. And then if I'm curious, I can go read more about it.
like the, the there's a shooting in Texas that happened that I otherwise would have been completely oblivious to if it haven't if it wasn't for like listening to those things that do like the five minute summary of just, you know, the actual informative headlines, not the emotional pulling ones that are starting to be more prevalent. Oh yeah. I mean, and, and we've talked about on the show plenty of times before too, and we'll do it again, <laughs> but it's it the news media in this country, they're, they're a for-profit company. They, you know, all of them doesn't matter whether they have a great reputation in terms of delivering the news or not. And that's the problem because, you know, they want you to keep coming back. You know, it's like a butcher. They want the butcher wants you to keep coming and buying the meat from them. And if there's another butcher across the street, what are they going to do? They're going to do what they can in to entice you to stay at there. And it's the same thing with news and people in this country need to wake up to that. And I think also, I think that there may need to be some political intervention in terms of, of some regulations in terms of, you know, in terms of what, what about bringing back the fairness doctrine, the thing that uh, Reagan got rid of in the eighties that, that saw the birth of conservative radio. What if we somehow got that back in terms to, which would allow, which would make it to where like Fox news would have to have an alternative opinion. Now, granted knowing Fox news, they would put that alternative opinion on at three o'clock in the morning, but, but, you know, having, you know, both, both opinions, maybe one thing, but it, it's just complicated. It's just complicated. It is right. Because it's like, I don't know how I feel about the whole idea of like making laws and making it mandated to somehow like get people on a more calm, like way of dealing with things and looking at things. Right. Because to me, it goes back to, yes, I'm so sorry if it annoyed anybody, how much I shared what I was listening to this past week. As if you don't know, you might know by now, it was largely triggered by this. I, I'd like to encourage people to listen to more of those calm middles where they can. So I started sharing where I find my information. Now, that being said, yeah, I listen to a lot of NPR shows and people have their own opinions about NPR and I understand. That's why I try to stick more to like the interview style shows where they bring people on of opinions or, you know, the five minute news feeds. And then every now and then there's a show in there that I'll throw in. But like what was funny was even wait, wait, don't tell me pissed me off because they made a joke about the Pope calling people selfish for pets. So I was like, no, you're doing it, too. You know, <laughs> and you're supposed to be a comedy show. Damn it. So yeah. uh, anywho, that, that that's all I encourage. I just if something's like poking you, if something is stabbing you in the fucking emotions, take a second and ask yourself why that's how they're getting your attention. And, because and it's definitely not just to share knowledge with you. Right. Like. <laughs> I definitely read the articles too, because, you know, I, as, as we've encountered with this issue, you know, the headlines will say one thing, but then the article will say something completely different. And, and that's, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm throwing stones to the people that reacted to the news of the Pope, because I've certainly been part of the pitchfork crowd in the past, but things like this should make people realize how easy it is to get lost in that, you know, whole thing. Uh, the whole social media storm and, and like, yeah, you have to be discerning on how you uh, handle your social media. And you also have to be discerning about the type of news that you intake. And, and yeah, I, I've, I don't, I don't watch the cable news. I don't, I mean, if I, I try to get my news from anything, it would be NPR or the AP, you know, Associated Press is pretty straightforward, you know, yes. um, they're not going to have opinion pieces or anything like that. But, um, but anyway, 
anyway, any more thoughts on the Pope? Um, no, other than I could totally tell you wanted to say lost in the sauce, didn't you? There was a little bit of you instead of lost in the, I don't know what you said, but you stumbled. I was like, come on, lost in the sauce. Nah. But, uh, no, but case in point, like that's really it, guys, is uh, like, A, I just wanted to kind of make a case for the Pope. Like, let's not cancel Pope Francis just yet. Um, I'm sorry that if you feel self-conscious about your relationship between pets and whether or not you should adopt, I guess that's on you. Like I haven't adopted at this point in my life either. Um, but you know, I, I, I also don't think that he's calling me a piece of shit and I have had pets like this whole time. Um, (laughs) I don't think they would have let me adopt anyway. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, it's a personal choice. If you want, if you have the ability to, and you want to adopt, I'm not going to, I'm going to support that, you know, no matter who you are, you know, um, but having said that for, you know, whether it's poor people or just rich people that don't want kids, I don't think uh, they should be shamed here too. To your point, I don't think he was really throwing shade at them necessarily, but you know, it's, it's, it was a complicated message. Let's say it wasn't it wasn't what, you know, CNN tried to make you think it was right. It definitely was not centered on the pets issue. It was more of a uh, yeah, there's like a problem like most countries have it. You should if you can just if you can, that'd be cool. You know, (laughs) well, speaking of cool, let's talk about some big mouth this week. Yeah. Latest episode here that we're going to review is best friends make the best lovers. (laughs) Mm. I like this episode. This is a really good one. So, yeah, so far, I mean, and and we'll obviously dive more into it as we go on, but so far, yeah, I mean, each episode is getting better and better. And um, I I would have to say, this is uh, one of my favorites so far. Now, some of the themes they talk about in here, having to hang around people after you, you embarrassed yourself in front of, front of them, um, fr- primarily from Nick at the beginning of the episode, but he, he's had plenty of embarrassing things, but like we all have done it. <laughs> oh yeah. I was just going to say story of my life. I'm, I'm not even going to try to pick one to go with. I think I've already shared like the swimming incident at the church camp uh, <laughs> recently. So we'll just be like, yeah, I had to go in front of those people after that. Like that happened. So <laughs> And that's just one story. Uh, Yeah. So I think pretty much that's, that was a core. Most people could probably relate to that. Yeah. I mean, same here. Like I remember, I mean, I've got plenty myself, but like one I thought of uh, when I was putting the notes together was uh, at at work one time, it was like a meeting and like, as usual, they want people to be involved. And I raised my hand and answered. And then at the time I made like an ex-wife joke. It wasn't really funny at all, I guess. I'm, but nobody laughed. Oh <laughs> no, Tim! Even comedians was, know not to make jokes in those situations. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, well, you know, hey, you got to deal with it. <laughs> and, uh, you just swallow your pride, you have a laugh at yourself, and move on. That's oh all. man, yeah, oh, rough though at work. <laughs> now, what did, do you have any memories of embarrassment as a kid that were memorable? Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure that swim top coming down situation ranks oh, okay. pretty high up there in the vividness of of memories. I mean, man, that one's like such a chart topper. I'm not sure I have like a close second to that one that is is worth it. Like it would just all be dumb situational stuff. Like some of it even cruel, right? Like there were times that some boy felt the need to break up with me in some loud, dramatic way in front of everybody that 
you know, I was the loser, right? So of course, everybody just made fun of me after, um, you know. So I mean, there was stuff like that, um, even like uh, just random shit with with high, like I, what can I say? Like I was bullied, folks. So there was a lot of opportunity where right. I just was humiliated in front of a group of people at any point in time, and then I still had to go back the next day. <laughs> Oh man, I remember fifth grade at the, excuse me, the school I was at, we had like this uh, book fair or something like that, where they encouraged the students to like read a book and then come to school dressed as a character from that book. And I read the, granted it was fifth grade. I don't know why I was reading this, but it was the um, book that was essentially the novelization of the Sesame Street movie, Follow That Bird in the fifth grade <laughs> and um, I made the great choice of not telling my mother about this, but then wanting to go as big bird. And so <laughs> I show up at school on the day of my mother knew nothing about it. Cause you know, I knew if I told her I wanted to do that, she'd be like, ah, pick something else. You know? <laughs> so I went up there in front of the school, you know, saying, well, I was going to dress up as big bird and blah, blah, blah. And just gave this whole speech. And then the teacher cut me off in front of everybody. Cause I, was just going and going and going so oh no they were like a long stick cane away from like uh (laughs) (laughs) just exactly (laughs) that would have been better than just being up there flop sweat everybody's looking at you laughing and all that stuff but all right the next one how emotions can cloud your memory Missy encountered that uh, when she was introduced with her hate worm, but uh, I found that I found that part really well done because I've experienced that many, many times, because if you are emotionally upset at something, you've already in your head made a determination that their actions are bad, you know, and if oh, we yes. talk. Yeah. And, and so because you have that interpretation, your memory of the situation is going to be far, far worse than what in in reality it actually was. Yes. And this is a psychological thing. This is one of the examples of a, why memory over time is not necessarily the best representation of what actually happened is that's why, you know, if you're journaling, that's kind of a good idea. Um, a journaling type person. I'm not that person. So instead, there's also the idea of, you know, the longer it's been, you can try to let things go. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, like over time, like you're just not going to remember things as well. So if you've got this like story in your mind, like especially like say something happened. Right. And then now somebody that you used to like, you now think they are a horrible person. You might then decide that all of the nice things they did before then have a totally different meaning now. Yep. And therefore it's like, oh, well, now this was clearly manipulation or this was clearly this and da da da. And I've been guilty of that, by the way. Like there, there is a, a times where I've, forget, you know, that you can do this to yourself. And so that's normally when I have one of those nice shadow integration moments, aka shadow work. I've mentioned it a few times, I think. I'll be mentioning it more when I do get around on my own episodes. But um, yeah, like there's this very important part of that, right? And this is why it's important. Because when you let like hate kind of fester towards somebody, it will totally start affecting how you remember stuff Mm -hmm. just because of human memory being so flawed. 
So if you don't check that within yourself, you're going to build up quite a hatred and quite a manipulated reality of your past. So it is kind of interesting to see them actually cartoon it this way and give you a visual of like, yeah, she's remembering it differently now. Yeah. And uh, I did like the representation of that because I mean, it, it, it is true. It, 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 and, and that's, you know, like the tough when, especially for like younger folks too, that, that don't realize this, you know, having a show like that to do what you said before the name entertainment thing, um, because it is so, so easy when you are emotionally upset at somebody to just not think of reason, not think of logic, not take the time to think about the entirety of the situation and not just your narrow view of it, you know? Right. And that's not to say that anytime you feel offended by somebody, you should blame yourself. Like that's kind of the weird overcorrect, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're always blaming yourself for somebody being upset with you, that's also clearly not healthy, but that doesn't mean that you can't check it. Right. Right. Missy was also, you know, remembering back to the original episode of the meeting, she was kind of having a little bit of a control issue. She wanted to do it just this one way. And there is an, honestly natural reaction to that when you feel like somebody is saying no not your idea at all Mm -hmm. right so it's funny how it even goes to show she puts herself in much more of an innocent role and there will be other episodes you know later where jesse reflects back too and that'll also be super interesting to talk about but Mm -hmm. right now it's missy's reality and at her current she was 100 percent picked on and Jesse and Allie are like a thousand percent bad. And that's going to justify some actions in this episode. Indeed. Indeed. The yeah. other danger to this, by the way, not just messing with your own memory, uh-huh. how it justifies actions that you do. Oh, yes, yes. And, and we're definitely uh, going to get into that. But the next theme here, I want to talk about not working through your feelings properly after a breakup or after having your heart um, broken, uh, such as Nick, I, I found it interesting that they went this route with him. And I've, you know, it's not that I, I think what they were showing in this episode too, was that, you know, there are positive ways to deal with your emotions and negative ways. And I think the, you know, like essentially what they did in this episode was the, <laughs> was the, big way of, of doing the, you know, screaming into a pillow type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, from what I've read, I think those things don't really work, you know, like a hitting a pillow or, or something like that. Just, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, going back to it, uh, I got a little bit lost in my sauce there for a second. Cause see now that's stuck in my head, <laughs> but yeah, not, not working through your feelings properly. And it's not even like that it was a breakup. Right. But mm-hmm. that is where we see it a lot more often. And yeah, like, again, it almost goes into he and Missy kind of parallel each other Uh for a little bit here this season. And they even I mean, we've already mentioned there are going to be spoilers because we've seen a few ahead, but I don't know how far ahead you've gotten, you know, but they do kind of form a bit of a a hate alliance, right? They start kind of getting in some haterade together. (laughs) And um, so he's going that direction, too. And it just goes again to show like when you invest in the hate, 
how that affects things. It's going to change his memory of stuff leading up to the situation. It's going to, you know, validate ways that he treats people going forward. And he's kind of done this before where Nick has invested in hate, but maybe now because it's towards like kind of a specific person, right? Because we've got his love bug that we're going to watch this love bug actually spoiler alert, transfer and transform into a hate worm. So it does change. And I I kind of really love how they show that. So to me, it's like, yeah, not dealing with it properly is definitely one way to look at it because there's other ways that can go too, right? Like if you're a depressive mess and really focusing on the sad, that can be bad in different ways. Mm -hmm. But at the very least, um, yeah, the dangers of investing in the hate feelings when you're going through a breakup or a major rejection. Yeah, and I, 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 that's one thing I did really like in the episode too, uh, the hate worm. Uh, the, no, not not the hate worm, but uh, Nick's uh, love bug that turns into the hate worm um, because it, it, it I, I loved at the beginning to where, you know, the love bug was like, you know, oh, we're going to totally forget about Jesse who did this to you and this to you and this to you and this to you and this to you. That happens. Oh, my God, that, that so happens. Oh, yes. And that's where, yeah, it just, it really started taking a turn for him quickly, I think. Um, Because it went from, you know, we can, we can try to just move on. And then, yeah, sure, he reminded him of some of the stuff, but it goes back into the, when you invest in the hate. I just think Walter transforming, like, I don't think Walter turned Nick. Uh I very much see this as Nick turned Walter. And so I'd be curious if you follow along that as well, especially, you know, as it continues, right? Because, I mean, there's something that happens, I guess, at the end of this episode, because he he ends up like, oh, my God, Walter's dead or whatever. But you find out he's not later. Well, I, I... I don't know if I would go that far and to say that Nick was directing it. I, I think more than anything, like he was, he over pushed Nick in turn in, into uh, expressing his feelings for Jesse, but I, I, I don't know. It, We'll have to watch a few more, I guess. I'll, I'll ruminate on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but it goes into what you feed, right? Because that doesn't seem to be what the love bugs do. Um, Jesse's love bug even seems to kind of, you know, go off of her, right? Because mm. even she was supportive of friendship, friendship, friendship until it was, you know, and we'll get into it later because some of it with Jesse's story. Jesse's the one that ultimately has the conversation between her hormones, her mm. love bug and her vagina, to decide that she liked it and then stuff with the love bug started changing. So I don't know. I do kind of think the kids are the ones influencing the love bug, not the other way around. Mm. And then the hormones complicate it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, especially so. Um, All right, let's go into the next one here. Um, And we'll kind of pair them both together since they both involve Missy's story. Uh, Cyberbullying and slut shaming. Now for me, I didn't have to go through cyberbullying because there was no cyber anything when I was a kid. I didn't have to deal with the internet or uh, social media. Um, I think for for you, college was the age when social media first hit. Uh, so, you know, we didn't have to deal with uh, what, you know, the kids in uh, high school or, you know, middle school have to deal with now. Right. And now it's like going, I, I did actually legit 
go through something like this, by the way. Um, there was a Facebook group that somebody started and it was called Tracy, We Know Your Secret. And it was at, at, when I went to college. Wow. And I remember I only found out about it because somebody got invited to it and they felt really guilty and they felt really bad because they had kind of talked to me some and they kind of didn't think that I was a bad person. <laughs> so it was very bittersweet, like to th that somebody like thought well enough that they wanted me to know this was happening. But then again, it really kind of sucked to like feel that way that pe that there were people like trying to have some weird campaign against me as a human. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was total dumb stuff. And it, it like was super crazy. It was like one of my roommates was involved. So it's it's crushing sometimes. Right. Like it. But yeah, like that was just back when Facebook. And that was, by the way, when Facebook was still like your college had to like apply or something for you to get on it so that's how quick that shit started happening yeah right like that's super early <laughs> yeah i mean the what 2005 ish mid 2000s yeah because i went to college and i graduated high school in 03 <laughs> dating myself folks in case you guys are wondering just how old uh, the great reverend is i graduated in 03 and i was in college there until 09 so it had just barely started opening up i think like by the end of college i just i remember i was part of the group that helped petition <laughs> oh my god it's so deliciously ironic now that i just realized it i was part of the group to help petition the school to sign up for facebook and then that oh man <laughs> oh man i never connected those two dots shit i really did have it coming it was my fault <laughs> thanks jim <laughs> No, no, not you, Tim. I was just me. That's funny. Like I brought, I brought my school into signing up to the thing where somebody made like a social media campaign against me. <laughs> no, again, like I said, I obviously my, my age, I didn't have to deal with that. The closest I've encountered it though, uh, happened when I worked at Best Buy, uh, with the, what, what I, the water cooler thing that I've talked about before. Um, there, somebody it like found that, you know, if you, like open a a, a a category or something like that in like appliances then like hardly anybody goes to like that particular one so they so they started a thread and then this thread was just dedicated to ripping into one person and i got invited to it and the person annoyed me and it's you know it's human nature people are going to annoy you i annoy people all the time but yeah. you know it's quickly just became out of control and it was just like what the hell am i doing you know and you know i ultimately ended up apologizing to the person in question thankfully they accepted they accepted my apology and we're still friends today so you know i didn't ruin that bad but you know it's one of those things that yeah you, you quickly realize how and, and there's another thing too quickly kind of related to the show there was another person uh that i knew at best buy but you know our past you know went away the, when i didn't uh, work there anymore um but she had contacted me and um you know said hey on your podcast could you like uh you know promote the fact that i got some stuff i need to sell and i said sure i got no problem doing that and i did it and then I found out, you know, she was like, uh, like conning people for money and um, just doing a whole bunch of weird stuff. And, you know, somebody called her out on Facebook about that. And again, it was another thing of, you know, people just piling on and piling on. And, you know, the person did some stupid stuff, but 
we're talking just stupid, like, you know, Hey, I'm going to sell you this and then not give it to you. And then people were saying that, you know, they should call CPS about that. It's just like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Calm down. CPS is there for a reason. It's not because this person gypped you because of this, you know, and just it's, it's unfortunately easy to get caught up in stuff like that, you know? Yeah. That's kind of an extreme takeaway. Like, I mean, I, I don't support, you know, trying to, manipulate anybody or like pretend you're going to sell something and like take it away and keep their money or whatever she was doing. But like CPS feels like kind of a jump. Um, I mean, granted probably wouldn't have a hard case if you guys just gather the whole theft case, that seems like that would just kind of like go, or maybe it could be a wake up call and you don't need to destroy a human, like for an unrelated thing, like, just like go after the theft. (laughs) Don't try to get somebody's kids taken away. Sorry. That was like a very, weird thing to go after on somebody but yeah yeah, like it's it's very dehumanizing just to speak from experience to go like imagine if they had found that Mm -hmm. i mean granted you said the the group was made before she did the the thiefing terrible stuff right like there was this other random like hate against her beforehand or that was about it that was uh something completely different okay two separate people the oh gotcha stealing um the person on facebook uh did it after the fact you know i guess it was like they were supposed to be sold like a painting or something and they never received it and just wanted to call it out and oh, gotcha. it, just, it just spiraled out of control from there you know just people like yeah it happened to me too it happened to me too well i heard this well i heard this and you know it, it's yeah i mean i i even had to go into that thread and be like people take a breath here <laughs> you know yeah. what they did was shitty but not that shitty Right. And so like, even like the person who was just kind of, you know, whatever they're socially awkward or whatever their crime was, you know, just consider that, I don't know, I kind of wish I, I, I missed the golden rule. Uh-huh. And it just seems like a lot of people have gotten away from it. But just, you know, hear me out. Maybe if you wouldn't like it done to you. Then don't don't do it. do it to other people. Like, yeah. I, I mean, especially over just petty, stupid crap. Right. Like this person's annoying. So let's like make a thing. And I'm glad that you saw the other end of that and went like, yeah, this is maybe not something I want to invest my energy into. But it stinks that like that's still kind of prevalent today. But yeah, it's just we don't need to to do that. If they're doing something wrong, like maybe that needs to be handled that way, not through the lens of social media. Yeah. Now, what about the slut shaming aspect, too? Because in the age of social media, in the age of um, revenge porn and all that stuff, you know, and we or just name call or the patriarchy being what it is, too. I mean, look at what Missy did in this episode. She um, didn't know anything about Missy and Jesse's, you know, interest in a potential relationship. But she spread the rumor that, you know, they were indeed, you know, having sexual relations in jail or something like that. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, that more goes into a little bit of like what she did in the episode, not necessarily about um, the slut shaming part of it, Uh because 
they didn't actually do anything. It was just interesting how quickly others like glammed onto the slut shaming, if that makes sense. Because all she saw was like the selfie of them in the little jail situation or whatever. Right. That's what she was staring at, like hate fucking with her eyes while she was like concocting the story. Right. Well, she was, I mean, come on, that's what she was doing. And I think we've all been guilty of that at some point or another, where we see something, we just like fucking stare at it. and You hate it with everything in you. That's hate fucking with your eyes. So Missy was hate fucking the phone with her eyes. And it was the picture of them in the jail cell or whatever. And she concocted it, right? Like she didn't even, it's not like she saw them kiss mm-hmm. or saw them do something and then like slut shame them. So it's more like the slut shaming was this weird thing that got made up in the rumor mill than it actually intentionally being a slut shaming thing because she wasn't necessarily calling Jesse out for being slutty. She was trying to make them seem like bad people, like that Ali had cheated on Samira. Yeah, and I get that. It's it's still though. I mean, she didn't know the situation, and she used sex as a weapon to hurt uh, her classmates. True. And, okay, so maybe that does still constitute a slut shaming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially because uh, you know it, it was a rumor that you know the fellow classmates you know ended up knowing about, and and you know I've I've seen far enough ahead that it doesn't you know in this particular case turn out to be that big of a deal, but in real life. Sometimes it just takes like one false rumor to, you know, really make a high school experience bad for somebody. Oh, yeah, exactly. But it just it's I felt it was more about the cheating aspect of it than necessarily them hooking up. Like, I'm not sure it would have mattered mm-hmm. or that Missy, I don't know if she would have made it up if it hadn't been for Allie being in a relationship with somebody. So that's my big question of was it really about the sex or was it really about trying to say they are bad people because Allie cheated on her girlfriend and Jesse knowingly was the other woman. Right. So I don't know, like maybe those two are like kind of so close together that it is kind of uh, interrelated, but I didn't take it as necessarily trying to shame those two being attracted to each other or them being gay or being sexual. It was more just making up a lie to make them about being about bad people. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I didn't think Missy, you know, suddenly became a Fox News viewer or anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But but, you know, again, her actions did kind of lead into a negative, you know, the people having a negative view based on this fictional sexual thing that that, you know, potentially happened, you know? Yeah. All right, the next one here, let me find it on the list. Fantasizing about the potential future with a love interest. Uh, that happened to Jesse in this episode. And man, did, you know, have I ever been guilty of doing that plenty of times? Oh yeah, I've done that. I remember as a as a as a young person that, you know, being the stereotype that it was, I would sometimes write you know, my first name with someone else's last name and, uh, you know, make pretend what that would look like. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, sure. Who, who, uh, I mean, future casting seems like it should be honestly part of it. Right. But the, I guess the problem is, is sometimes it can be unrealistic. Granted, I did want to kind of give it credit that it wasn't completely unrealistic. 
like her future cast relationship of what it could be like with Allie. Right. Um, And what's funny is, you know, she does it later and it was like so hyperbolic. It seemed more unrealistic than this version of the future cast, but it also goes into later. She's doing it from a much more emotional space, which can kind of cloud your ability to think logically. Right. So at this point, with the future casting and stuff like that um, at the very beginning of the show, you know, when it's all very positive and she's like, just had this really awesome interaction with this person and, you know, has been friends with her. So even like some of the interests come up, right. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, Oh, like I brought you these shoes that we could wear to this next social march we're going on because, you know, they're being politically activists. So it actually made sense. Whereas other people can future cast and it's like, you know, they might be into this completely different hobby that this other human has zero interest. Or, or any experience in and will somehow be future casting like this unrealistic thing of like being super into this hobby together when you have no real reason to think that. So I thought it was kind of cool that it, it at least displayed some realisticness and didn't go super hyperbolic. Like not everybody does that in relationships. So it was kind of nice to see like that realm of possibility style of fantasizing, but in a realistic way realistic ish. I mean, once the, you know, they're pulling out dicks from the ground, you know, that's uh, you know, with the second. One. But exa- see, but the first one where she was, it was just her and Allie and they oh, were yeah. like older together. Like that was sweet. And it was very like, it was nice. It was like, yes, I've got this friend and it made sense because they, they have been becoming like best friends. They had already mentioned as much. So it was just kind of, I, I liked that the, the first one. And then the second one, again, her being more emotional, right? Yeah, Being and, less realistic. I mean, I had to think of myself at that age. And like, if my parents did had sat me down to tell me, um, you know, that, you know, hey, th- this is something that you could potentially go through in terms of, you know, thinking about the future. It's like, you know, I don't know if I would have necessarily listened to them. Like, how do you talk to a kid about this? What do you think? About fantasizing about the future? Yeah. Well, I mean, gosh, I mean, let them have some joy in life. There's nothing really, I I, I guess it's just, uh, if there's, I, I don't see the harm in it. Like if it depends on what the fantasies are about, but not all of it is going to be your business as a parent, to be totally honest, right? Like, especially romantically, but that goes into, I think as long as you're grooming some of the more like healthy emotional regulation stuff, like you're not going to have to worry so much about what are they fantasizing about with this person and if it's realistic or not. Sometimes it's just fun to have an unrealistic fantasy. Like, and it doesn't have to be anything bad or dirty or evil or or anything like that. Like, it can just be a cute thing that it is. But if you're teaching your kid, like, overall emotional regulation and, like, kind of putting stuff in their tool belt to deal with things like anxiety and heartbreak and maybe teaching concepts that, you know, you should water what you want in your life, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe don't feed the hate when you catch yourself, like, totally tripping on hate consider another one like consider that that doesn't need to be what you're fully invested in and then i don't think you really need to worry so much about a lot of the nitty-gritty of basically trying to helicopter over every relationship and scenario in those relationships but uh yeah but we've kind of talked about a lot of that even leading up to to this question just now so yeah and 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 i i mean i definitely agree it's it's uh one, I, I guess, if anything, if I could go back, I, I would do my best to make my kids aware that this could be a thing and to, you know, just take the time to kind of step back if you can to 
you know, appreciate it because, you know, those, those thinking about the future things can definitely be fun, especially, you know, early on in a relationship and whatnot, but accept them for what they are. Don't try and make that your reality. If that makes sense. It does. I I think it's because to me, it's almost more like this would have been covered with the NRE talk, which is something that we've brought up before, right? Because Uh this is very much part of that NRE and that's where it can kind of new relationship energy. I don't want to accidentally use an acronym and people be like, what the fuck? Um, (laughs) New relationship energy, self-explanatory. And it's a really awesome term. I learned uh, following different polyamory websites and stuff, Mm -hmm. but um, it's, it's very relevant for monogamy too, though, right? It's that whole, you can burn the candle at both ends for hours on end, but in, in weeks and months at a time, even, but that's not healthy to sustain. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're kind of covering a lot of those topics that come up with emotional regulation, that this is going to naturally kind of curb itself with a kid. Indeed. Indeed. Now, the last thing I wanted to bring up involves Jay and that's wanting more from a romantic partner, because in this uh, episode, he's continuing on with his side piece adventure with one Charles Liu, and he wants more. Oh, yeah. He's so miserable. Poor puppy. I, I feel very bad for Jay in this episode. You know, he's found at various points, like some was one person found him, Andrew found him once, but it had shown him tearing up a few times. And it goes back to Yes, I was the unpopular kid. Yes, I was bullied. Yes, I've been a secret girlfriend once or twice in my life. Uh And it really is a garbage feeling. Um, And it sucks because it's like uh, you feel like, or at least for me and what I very much glean from his character is it's either this or you're just really lonely. Right. Especially if, I mean, Jay's got friends. I know in my situation, I had a few friends. I wasn't completely friendless, but I didn't have a lot of friends. Mm -hmm. So whenever you get like that level of kind of bullying, I I think that does lead to people being more likely to be in what is very obviously an unhealthy relationship. Right. Like if somebody was in a secret relationship with you as an adult, it would be clearly not a good thing right? It doesn't make it any better when it's in schools. And it's something I think should be talked about in a sense, whenever we talk to kiddos about relationships and stuff like that. Right. And it goes back to mirroring healthy relationships, but yeah, I I just felt terrible for Jay. He was like speaking right to my soul. This, this episode for sure. Yeah. Kind of this whole season with, with him. uh, Yeah. I've, I've definitely felt for him, especially, he has this ability to kind of smile through the pain a lot. And uh, the actor that does his voice has a great way of kind of walking that tightrope verbally in, 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 in terms of showing that even, even with some of the ludicrous lines that Jay uh, can say. Um, so uh, yeah. And, and um with, with my luck in in, in uh, school, uh, you know, I didn't have to worry about that because girls were so frightening. I didn't really talk about them. So, you know, I didn't have to worry about being uh, anybody's side piece. Nobody was was my side piece as well. But, you know, being in a relationship to where you do want more and it's like, yeah, I wish I could, you know, like for my kids, I wish I can go back and tell them. I wish somebody had told me that, you know, it's important to talk. You know, if you are feeling unfulfilled in a relationship, talk and don't be afraid to walk away if that person's not going to give you what they want, because no matter you're not going to will something into happening. 
It's either going, you either have to talk it out and make it work, or if you talk it out and you can't make it work, go your separate way for your own mental health, you know? Oh, yeah. There's another really great term that I picked up from Polyland, and that is price of admission. And price of admission is very much what it sounds like, right? Like for things to continue with Jay, price of admission for him needed to be some kind of emotional connection back. And having a price of admission isn't a bad thing. It's good to have a realization of what you need in healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. But you are allowed to also like, because you'd said, you know, what you want. And I don't think this is how you meant it, but I just wanted to throw it out there. Make sure it's something that you need not necessarily something that you want, right? Because the things yeah. that you just want um, maybe can be something that is discussable, right? Because if you're in a relationship where it is all take and you don't give it all, like that's not really you being good to your partner either. Right. So, but I think like this is definitely to that level of price of admission because see there's price of admission that everything else is optional, mm-hmm. but you should be aware of what's actually optional and what is, is needed for for you. And it was kind of interesting to watch this kid go through that and kind of understand that he needs emotional connection. And granted, we're also super aware he doesn't get it at home and he doesn't really get it from his friends either. The closest he kind of got was this interesting story with Andrew um, with this. Uh, it, it's weird, but we'll get into that. Yeah. With Simon sex and all that. Hey. <laughs> oh my God. That's the name of that stupid hormone monster under bad. I was like, what was his purpose? But we'll get again, we'll get yeah. to the bad stuff later, but. Well, uh, before we get into the good and the bad here, um, what are some of your favorite funny lines? So I know we're not the biggest, both of us aren't the biggest fan about some of Andrew's story, but I do have to say they tend to give him like the best lines sometimes. And Connie, like him and Connie pretty much just took the stage for me this week. Mm-hmm. Um, last week I was sensitive and kind to my dad and he almost hugged me from Andrew. <laughs> that one got a really good chuckle out of me. Um, Connie saying, uh, whenever, you know, she was having the conversation between Connie, the love bug and her vagina talking yeah. about like, you know, she likes dudes and she said, Judd makes your goosh go sploosh. connie to me has the best lines anyway like even in the song you know she's the one that just gets to say you know best friends make the loves the best friends make the best lovers banging with your buddy is the best (laughs) and uh when you're getting slutty with your number one buddy like she just i don't know there's just uh, there's probably like any time she spoke is probably quotable because they just, they did that with her character. But I I would just wonder if it's a lot of, uh, Oh, what's the actor, uh, the actress's name, Maya Rudolph. Thank you. Maya Rudolph. And and I know she's an improv person, so I could totally see her writing a lot of her lines or putting some of them in there. I don't know if that's true or not, but do you, are you aware who, who her mother is? Uh, no. Do you know? Um, I don't know the mother's name, but are you aware of the song uh, "Love in You" is easy because you're be- that's her mother. Yeah. Oh, you're kidding me! Oh my god, that's so funny. So uh, <laughs> that's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but anywho, like I, I love her lines. She is great. If she is involved in writing her lines, which again I could totally see it, but I haven't verified it. Let her keep doing it. She is so fucking quotable. I could probably just have transcribed everything she said. Um, there's also, oh, I have a mustache, Nick. They will sell me rosé from Andrew. <laughs> and then very last, it's super hot when he uses his tongue to fuck my mouth, but he won't use it to fuck my mind. 
That was so a those, good Oh, yeah. Those are the ones that, like, literally I stopped and hit rewind so I could quote it properly that got me giggling good enough that it was worth, like, giving shout outs to. I have a couple myself. Two of them are from Connie. Um, the first one is near the uh, beginning of the episode where she said, but I'm completely transfixed by the boobies. <laughs> yes, I love the way she does that. Like with bubble by a thick boobies. <laughs> like she just has this bit and she uses it just enough. And it just, it sells lines. <laughs> mm-hmm. Brilliant. There's another one. Hell yeah. We can go from flirting to squirting in a lick of a clip. <laughs> I almost went back and took that one down. That's so funny. Yeah, because that one also like made me stop for a second. I was like, oh, no, I got plenty of good Connie ones because I, I worry about just like I said, transcribing all of Connie's lines. Yeah. The other one that got it uh, that I thought was funny was from Jesse. And it was her delivery more than anything that did it when she said, I don't think she wants to form a super tit now. <laughs> 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 yes when she was being like more rational and, and yeah right yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right now the good of the episode what do you think um i love how jesse's love, love bug versus connie um you know in the beginning and even the love bug kind of called it out that the hormone monster was making things so much more awkward and so much more complicated than it needed to be like this is your friend you know you should be comfortable around them um that was a really great representation Jay and being the secret lover and trying to deal with that and how like dehumanizing and hurtful it can be, especially like now if you're on the same page, right? Like I'm not saying I condone the behavior, but you know, there are people who exist that are totally fine with having a secret relationship because they're running around on somebody and there's a certain thrill to that. Right. right. But this is not a mutually agreed upon price here and it's interesting and i thought they did a really good job um showing jay kind of deal with that and you know eventually he did like put his foot down and it ended that relationship but that's okay because that goes into that when two people have a clash of that price of admission say what you will about charles if he was a bad person or not probably so since this would have meant that he was cheating on somebody because i guess he was dating gina supposedly yeah but either way he didn't want everyone to know about it jay did and it doesn't matter why charles didn't want anybody to know about it jay needed that validation in his relationship to be that way so and it was kind of nice to see that kind of come to that end that way um the hate worm Oh, just a fucking knock it out of the park representation. Another really great emotion brought to life through a character introduction by this team that has made me love this show so fucking much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love the hate worm, how it can seem harmless or even cute and acceptable in the beginning or a little bit of it's okay. Um, but if you feed it and if you invest time in it, it will just get uglier and you will start talking yourself into saying things that you know are not true out of this sense of justice. And like even Missy said it near the end, these comments are giving me life and how like there are studies about this. Like when you get the like buttons, when you get comments that validate your feels, it does things with chemicals in your brain. We love it. I loved the the whole visual representation of the hate got into her head 
And Missy even said, Ooh, that feels different, <laughs> you know, in her own little Missy way. And I think they're just really hitting the, the hitting nail on the head with like representing another emotion that is complex and that we're not necessarily teaching kids how to regulate. And some of us adults kind of hate, suck at regulating it ourselves. Indeed. Um, there were just a few more. Um, Jesse coming to the conclusion that she's bi was also really awesome. I loved that she actually had a conversation. She started it. She gathered a meeting between her parts, her heart, and her hormones, and like came to the conclusion that she is bisexual. And I thought that was cool. And um, the love, like uh, the con- anytime those three are talking, because they've done that before, where they've all three talked, I think, or at least Connie's talked to her vagina. Like her, the vagina character is hilarious. Um, there was a line in there about having like a, a three-person improv team or something with like the butthole or something like that that I thought was like really kind of funny. I almost went back and took that one down. Um, but uh, I loved the part where Jesse also ultimately chose what I think is love over sex rather than choosing a friendship over a relationship. And I think she showed a very good loving moment you know, we, we brought it up a second ago with the quotable quotes, like now it's not the time for a super tit. And then it came into this really beautiful back and forth where Jesse says, I love her too much as a friend to risk it like right now. Right. And Connie says, fuck you. That's beautiful while she's crying. Right. <laughs> and um, it's great because I didn't even like Allie at first, but she's also managed to grow on me, especially in this episode, because her heart was immediately towards feeling bad for Samira, like that. She didn't want her to believe that she had been betrayed in that way because it wasn't true. Uh-huh. Um, so I just I really like what they've done with this episode and these complex stories and then just a dumb, stupid story that nobody asked for dummy fun thing. I've totally done a lump. I have put a nail through my foot that was in a board. And I even think we've talked about it on this show before. I don't remember because if you know the story, then it probably means we have, but I have totally like stepped on a board that had a nail in it playing somewhere I wasn't supposed to and like drove it through. Oh man. I saw a lump do that. I was like, Oh crap. I forgot that part was in here. That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't feel good. I don't recommend like all the way through your foot. Oh, yes. Okay. So quick side story that nobody asked for. My (laughs) mother had told us not to go play on the pile of wood. So of course we had to go play on the pile of wood and I was leading my like battalion or whatever my army and my brother was leading the versus army because this is how I played as a small girl in Texas. Um, So I'm leading like me and like maybe three toddlers up this wood pile because that's where we're going to have the epic battle on the hill. Right. And I just foot down nail goes right through. And the first words out of my mouth were retreat. (laughs) (laughs) and so we go back to this cabin and it's a bunch of like toddler paramedics like it was bad like it it didn't like because you know i pulled my foot out of it like i didn't have the board still stuck when we got back but there was it was like all you could see it all the way through on the top of my foot like the bruising and stuff like as it was healing oh my mother was hella pissed but um (laughs) not a fun experience uh so i i've lumped my foot what can i say Lump, what a guy! <laughs> Call me limp. <laughs> oh, you, you should go. You should go to the hospital, lump. 
All right. Uh, what did I like about the episode here? Um, I loved Nick's love bug. I loved the transformation and I, I loved how it was just spot on about how, you know, those feelings of love can turn on a dime, <laughs> you know, um, that was really good. Um, Rochelle, I loved, uh, that's Missy's hate worm. I, I really, really loved her because again, it was, it did, it would be one thing if they tried to present the hate worms as, as bad people and evil and mustache twirling, but the hate worm hate worms so far, you have personalities have been really nice. They oh say, yeah. Oh, it seems appealing even feels good yeah. to talk to and validating and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. It goes back to that psychology of the negativity, right? Indeed. Indeed. And also I, I, again, I, I really appreciated how much um, when Missy was going back, thinking about, you know, her past, thinking about the memories, thanks to the hate worm that they just changed it slightly because that's what happens. You know, when people, it's not that people intentionally sit around thinking of, of, you know, false things and whatnot. It's just, your brain is just thinking from one point of view and you're, and you're going straight forward. So I really loved how they did that. And lastly, the vagina within a vagina within a vagina was a great gag. That was really good. This is going on forever. Yeah, that's what totally sold it. That's what I was like. I love the vagina character. She's probably one of my favorite, like ones that's not featured in every episode. Like I love that they don't overdo it with that character either. Um, I think it's a guest voice. I haven't looked up who voices the vagina, but solid, solid, funny. Like there was even this point where the love was like, Jesse, your snatch is funny like, or something like that. <laughs> All right. So we go from good to bad. What would you say is bad in this episode? Andrew's little powwow night in where he fantasizes about them having some kind of crying release. Like Why? And it's funny because I wanted to have like a love hate relationship with, with this character almost mm-hmm. at this point, because it's like, this is my character now. Right. Because my dad almost gave me a hug and that part was funny, but at the same time, it's like, it's almost a false front. So it makes me appreciate it less. So I, but sometimes there is a level of faking it till you make it. If you want to change like something that you've been doing or, you know, a belief that you've held on to or a habit you've been doing. Right. So it's interesting because I just, I'm tired of Andrew being a character that I feel is just kind of gross and that I dislike. So when he starts doing kind, compassionate things, but then he also like, you know, lends it to not that he outright says it, but the potential of maybe getting laid for being a sweet and sensitive guy. Like it doesn't really make me like him anymore as a character that to me still says, maybe he's kind of got some issues and he's kind of a sleaze bag, but they could be trying to represent like how that kind of human gets made. But I just, it just goes into, I don't dig Andrew's character and I'm just curious what they're going to do with him in the end. Um, the other, the only other really bad thing I had to bring up is what is it with Devon? Like they keep mentioning that he's an old man and I'm starting to wonder if they're ever going to do anything with that. Like they bring it up every now and then just to remind you. And I don't know if it's like a callback or if they're going to do anything with this storyline. Like, is this one of those people that has, I don't know the name of the genetic uh, situation, but you know, where they don't age past a certain point, there's actually some very interesting, like 
articles, books, or um, even interviews sometimes by people who live with this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I don't know if they're going to get at this at some point. In which case, it's like you realize there's a grown ass man just in the school with them. Then, if that's what that is, like I so I think they, I think it was uh, mentioned in previous seasons, uh, like around the first, like when he and uh, Devon uh, or Devon Devon uh, had the relationship. I think it was a gag uh, related to when they first uh, uh, were featured on the show. Um, right but they keep mentioning it so it's like i don't know if they're trying to make it a reality it's like this is some story they're gonna cover at some point or you know what i mean i mean guys being guys i mean i've had friends that you know have that have gained a nickname that you know uh they uh, (laughs) that they've uh, had to live down for many many years afterwards i think i i I would be less likely to believe it if if the you know all, if the girls did that, um, but guys are are known for taking like one character flaw and just continuously ripping into that person for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It just it just seems odd to me, like how it's been brought up from time to time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially since he's not coming in with like a cane or anything like that. I mean, I don't think they've ever mentioned any, I, I, I don't know. I think it was just in, in reference to uh, his old relationship, but look, but uh, yeah. What would you say is bad? I mean, that was really it about oh, the two. I, I didn't have a lot of bad to say. So yeah. that was kind of it was, I mean, coach Steve was in the episode and I didn't hate it. Because it made sense where he was at for once. He was just his brief annoying self. And then he was done. And that was the the, the Coach Steve level that I appreciated before. And then it was like people liked Coach Steve and they accidentally ran too much with him for a little while. So I love that they gave me a break. Yeah, he was in it, but it made sense and it wasn't horrible. And he was still his weird, clingy, awkward character just briefly. Cause normally like the bad is where I'd talk about coach Steve, but he did not overstay his welcome. He was just there. He overstayed his welcome for me. I mean, you're right in the fact that, you know, he was actually shown doing his actual job and not there for comedic and not there for the comedic relief for the sake of comedic relief. Um, Like in ways that didn't make sense was what was starting to get me. Yeah, but I don't know, just the voice at this time, it's just, I've had too much Coach Steve, but overall, my big problem with the issue is, Andrew, the group drain thing. Um, you know, if if I'm not mistaken in the timeline of the show, this has happened relatively quickly, if not the day or so after the Thanksgiving episode. So are we really supposed to accept that Andrew had that big of a 180 in character in such a short amount of time? It doesn't make sense. And also, call me crazy. I don't know of too many 12, 13-year-old boys that are recommending stuff like group drains. You know, it's just who talks like that? Yeah, it was like such a weird turn. And it goes back to like maybe he's trying to change, right? He almost got a hug from his dad. So it's not going to be overnight. But, you know, the fake it till you make it. He even tried wearing like the hippie clothes. I did think that was funny. He's like the something that his mother had bought for a trip to Arizona. (laughs) I was like, I love how people throw shade on like, I think it's like Sedona, Arizona, for some reason that people just kind of keep making fun of with that joke or those types of jokes. But I was like, it's just kind of funny to me. Uh, <laughs> it was random shade at Arizona. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a, 
it's like, is he changing or is he just like trying to be skeezy about it? Like, is he trying to see what being sensitive gets him or is he trying to be sensitive to be a better person? I think I just now verbalized what my issue is right now. Like I wasn't able to put my finger on it until just the second folks you're hearing it live. Well, I mean, you're not hearing it live, but Tim is. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I guess we'll see where, where they go with Andrew. I mean, and, and that's, that's the whole big thing here. It's just, again, so soon after the Thanksgiving episode and in the timeline of the show, it's what happens in this episode is not that long after the Thanksgiving. It just really took me out of it. So. Yeah. But that checks out with kids though, right? Like, come on. Like sometimes a kid will go goth overnight. So at least it does kind of make sense. I just like, to me, it's more, I don't know what he's going uh, for at this point that annoys I mean, me about I, his character. I mean, I could see him maybe going a little overboard in terms of being more nicer, but again, just, it's just his dialogue, you know, group drain. Who says that? I don't know adults that would say that. I mean, I, you're like going into a room, like, Hey, let's all have a group drain. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, I'm with you there. But I, I guess like to me, the the overnight suddenly trying to change how you dress thing, that's probably the most sense mm-hmm. that, that was made out of that little storyline. And then some of the other stuff is like what's kind of like confusing. I don't get his motivation behind it. And um, yeah, the group drain thing. Like, no, no, no child's going to suggest that. And I don't know many adults that would either. And I don't know if I'd necessarily want to. <laughs> I don't even know I would have put together what he meant by it if it hadn't been for the circle jerk scenario that was clearly going on. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So it just seems like they threw it in there. It, I don't know what sense of normal that's or uh, like how that was supposed to be relatable. Maybe, maybe for thinking long-term here, maybe what they're trying to show with Andrew is him learning that love does not come from physicality. Who knows? Who knows? All right. The score. What do you think of this episode? I gave this a nine out of 10. I rated it super high. Um, I I just, I don't know if I'm ever going to give a 10 out of 10, just like I'd probably never get a zero out of 10. You know what I mean? I I have a hard time with that one, but I think this one is as close to a 10 as I would give an episode. I think they did a great job of introducing a new character Mm -hmm. um, to help explain an emotional concept. And also even the importance of emotional regulation was covered very well in this episode. I love the representation of how love can be turned into hate, especially if that's what your focus is on and you're not healthily dealing with a breakup or a rejection. Jesse having the awesome conversation and dialogue with herself instead of being like massively confused and being like, Oh, I need to be a lesbian now. It's like, no, you can actually maybe investigate and just be, maybe you are bisexual. Um, loved seeing that loved seeing Jay and the Charles thing come to a conclusion as it should have. And then, you know, uh, the, they don't know me personally, but the whole nail in the foot thing, like, come on, it's just funny that that's like something that I could relate to personally, because what are the fucking odds? So, you know, you know, this one should have been a 10 out of 10. So it's still going to be a nine out of 10. Um, me, I, I give it an eight out of 10. Um, and yeah, I mean, even with the critique of Andrew not really buying into uh, his, you know, the severity of the change and, and some of the dialogue overall, this episode it has been the most solid to date. The characters were used all in the right way. Even Coach Steve, even though I was annoyed at his voice, they used him correctly. And just overall, uh, you know, 
what a solid episode. I'm, I'm with you. I don't think I would rate an individual episode, uh, you know, a, a perfect 10 out of 10. Um, you know, I, I think stuff like that should come, you know, for, uh, you know, when you're thinking about this, the season as a whole, because, you know, it would be like rating a chapter in a book, 10 out of 10. The whole point is the story, not right. the chapter. You know. Exactly. I think that's probably why that's a better way of putting it. Like why I think I have an issue like giving something a perfect because you're never going to completely finish a storyline. You know, I guess really the only 10 out of 10 single episode I could see is a finale episode. Mm. Possibly because Possibly. you would technically tick all the marks. I mean, other than you wouldn't be introducing a new character, but you'd be closing out a storyline. So and- if you did it successfully. Yeah, not too many people have, you know, I, exactly. I would, yeah, I would be, I would, I would be more inclined to give a 10 out of a 10 for a pilot. And even then that would be rare, but, um, but we do too much character introduction, especially for American television. It's going to be very hard to get a solid. So I guess I'm saying like perfect doesn't exist. So nine out of 10 is probably the closest you're going to get out of me. Big mouth. <laughs> there you go. And you should be happy with that. So. Just shut up and be happy with it. Yes. Car, my opinion matters. <laughs> I should remember the safe word. Mrs. Tracy's here. So <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> we are wrapping up another episode here. We thank you all for listening. Tune in again next Saturday for some more goodness here. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up? Oh, not at all. I'm ready to go. I need to whisk away and rescue the Mr. Reverend from his tall tower. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, every Saturday in this podcast space, we are going to have something to entertain your ear holes. Until we meet again, we bid you adieu. Fairly well, folks. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.